Hello again, welcome to another Cardiff Animation Festival Squiggly Filmmaker Brunch. Uh, it's our filmmaker Q&A sessions for the Cardiff Animation Festival, if you hadn't determined that from the name. And we're talking with another batch of very talented filmmakers who were able to be in attendance. In today's brunch session, which is hosted by Laura Bath, to my right here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're talking to a wonderful crop of people, beginning with, I believe, Jana Catton, talking about her Arts University Bournemouth film Checkpoint, set in the occupied territory of modern-day Palestine, known as the West Bank. The film follows 11-year-old Leela, who wakes up before dawn every morning to try to get to school on time. Uh, I actually did a bit of backwards math, and she would have been uh, in the first year when I was teaching, although I don't think she was in the group I was teaching. At any rate, nice to see that that graduating class has worked out there. Doesn't time spin by? Oh, God. We also have <laughs> Cleona Noonan, who I talked to for Cardiff Animation Nights. I don't know if audio or video went up, but we had an article about her last film, Wet and Soppy. Uh, she's talking about her more recent film, Soft Tissue, in which a father takes desperate measures in the hopes of saving his son. And Alisa Stern made the film Posted No Hunting, in which a terrifying encounter in the woods is captured on a trail cam, joined by her sound designer and music composer and co-writer Scott Ampleford. Also on the panel is Sasha Beely, who made the music video Craziest Things for the band Babe Heaven. Sasha Beely is someone that I don't think we've interviewed on the podcast before, but we did talk about uh, something that she did on Intimate Animation not that long ago. She did that film for Venus about pubic hair. There's also Lena Kulcheva, who made the film Other Half, a National Film and Television School graduation film, uh, stop motion. As an individual being in a world comprised of merged couples, Ren longs to find his other half and become complete. There's also Flora Marta, who made the film 04111-3111, a representation through colour reflecting weather and mood depicted over the course of 365 days. And UE student Cleo Parker, is there with her film The Big Top, in which Pongali the Pangolin and her assistant Shelley the Snail are back on tour with their circus and will present their newest trick that will blow you away. And finally, Ho Ching Kwok, another Yui animator, with her film Prince Edward, in which a girl relives what had occurred on August 31st at Prince Edward Station in Hong Kong. Yes, a fantastic lineup. I very much enjoyed uh, being in the audience of this one and listening through it again, putting this podcast together. So, uh, grand job, Laura Beth. Thank you. You're very welcome. Let's hear the second Squiggly Filmmaker Brunch session for the Cardiff Animation Festival. Morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Cardiff Animation Brunch. And we're going to talk to some filmmakers today. My name's Laura Beth Cowley, and I'm the features writer for Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. We kind of have a media partnership with CAF and have done since it started. Uh, we're going to start by going down the line, and if you can uh, hold the microphone and just say your name, what film your, yours is, and what program it was in, if you can remember. And if not, I'll shuffle through the thing and try and remind myself. Okay, so my name is Ho Ching Kwok. I made Prince Edward, and that's from the Real Life program, apparently. Number six. Number six. Hi, I'm Cleo Parker. My film is The Big Top. I think it's in Family Shorts. Okay. Hey, my name's Flora Marta. My film is 04111311 and it's in Shorts 3. Uh, hello, I'm Lina Kalchova and my film is Other Half from Shorts 1, which is Together Apart. Right? 
Hello, I'm Sasha Beely. My film was the music video. It's called Craziest Things. I think it was in the Sound and Vision program. Hi, I'm Elisa Stern. And I'm Scott Ampleford. We made Posted No Hunting, which it was in the After Dark program. Hi, I'm Kleena Noonan. Um, my film was Soft Tissue, and it was in the Human Nature program. Hi, I'm Jana. I'm, I made Checkpoint, and that's in real life. So your film, was your film a graduate film from Bournemouth, wasn't it? What was it like making the film at Bournemouth? Um, it was good. We did it, so we started it um, like in a pandemic, so it was kind of remote. Um, but it was really good. Like we had to be quite organised with it and we had to like get everybody. Um, we did a lot of Teams meetings and stuff. Um, but overall, it was really amazing to direct a film that's about... Um, the West Bank and kind of bring awareness to that situation because it's not a lot of media that covers that situation. A lot of it's focused on like the trauma of the people and I quite like wanted to make a film that focused more on the humanity of the people in the West Bank. Because am I right in thinking that you actually visited yes. the West Bank? Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Um, it was really harrowing. Um, yeah, I can imagine. But yeah, it was quite difficult to, to get there. Um, but it was really eye-opening because, like, it's one thing to read about it, but when you when you actually visit and see what's happening there, it's another thing entirely. Like the taxi driver was telling us about all the ways that, yeah, the oppression kind of takes place every day, and it's just it's like a daily thing for them. That's just like that's their like their life. Yeah. Were you able to take like reference footage whilst you were there as yeah. well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I took like when you see like the wall. Um, I took a lot of pictures of the wall and like the graffiti on the wall and kind of um, yeah a lot of reference footage. Was there any kind of direct influence uh, specifically for the actual story of the film that like the specific girl? Uh, Yeah I watched a lot of documentaries about the film so um, there was one about a girl who uh, literally puts her uniform on like the night before and um, just so that she doesn't um, so that she cuts down her morning routine because it takes so long for her to cross the checkpoint to get to school every day so that was like a big reference for the film um and yeah so just like a lot of documentaries and a lot of um film like a few live action film um live action films by palestinian filmmakers as well and also the breadwinner if like people have seen that it's like a really good animated film that was quite a big reference Mm, i can see that and uh, so it came out like you made it all in a pandemic and then it came yeah. out in a pandemic. Yeah. Have you been able to sort of follow it on the festival circuit at all? Yeah, um, I've, yeah I've been trying to follow it around. and um, A lot of them have happened um, online as well. So we were just, screen- we screened at Toronto, um, Taffy. And yeah, we won Best Student Film for that, which was great. Um, yeah, so I've been kind of trying to follow it as much as possible as well. And have you had any kind of sense of how audience have taken it? Yeah, actually, I, th- I think it's nice because the response has been quite good. Um, I think because we tried to keep the politics as removed as possible from the film just because um, otherwise it becomes quite, I feel like people, it becomes quite a divisive thing and like that's not really the intention of the film, like it was just to be like this is actually happening, like this is the reality, um, like children are like not being able to get to school, there's like police brutality every day, um, it's just, it's more of a humanitarian issue at this point than a political issue, I think. And so this was your graduate film, yeah. so you finished at Bournemouth now. What are you doing yeah. now? Um, so I'm trying to write a new... Um, so I'm in, I'm in the process of writing a, a new short, um, and then I'm also just... I've got 
various freelance jobs. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to write um, a new film that focuses more on like the home demolitions um, because that's a big issue that's happening in the West Bank at the moment, and Gaza. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that at the moment. Thank you. So I'm not using this at all. <laughs> so, okay, who, I can't see who we have now. Hello. Hello. Sorry, I didn't get to talk to you before. Which one was your film? Uh, soft tissue. Ah, hi. hi. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. Uh, yes. So what inspired the, the narratives of soft tissue? I mean, yeah, usually my films, I guess they're more about like the abstract concept than, you know, me being a father with a son who's dying, um, which is what the actual story is about. Um, so really the themes was more like the more you try or the harder you try, almost that's what causes you to fail because you want, you want it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And am I right in thinking that that film was made as part of a residency? Yes. Um, so I think I was in the third year of the residency. It's one of the first, or I think it's the only animation residency in Ireland. And it's in this like really small town in the middle of nowhere. And it was during lockdown. Um, so it was very isolating, but great to like actually get to make a film. And I was there with two other filmmakers, so I wasn't totally alone. But yeah, it was pretty much six months, free accommodation, studio space. Um, like they organised us to talk with mentors. So I got to talk with like Adrian Mergue and other people. They were basically just like, "What do you need? We'll we'll help you to to make it." How long did you say that was? Three years? Oh no, six uh, months. I was going to say, Jesus, that's a good residency. (laughs) (laughs) I want that one. So the film came out last year, so obviously, again, came out in the pandemic, and your previous film did really well on the festival. I think I saw it in every festival I went to. So how have you found the the pickup for this film so far? Yeah, I feel like, I, I mean, this is my second film after my... This is my third film, so my, but they're all... The first one was my graduation film, and the last one is Wet and Soppy that you're talking about. But I feel like they're all quite different. So even with the last one, it didn't get into any of the festivals the first one did, but it got into ones that the first one didn't. And then <laughs> this one, kind of similar again. So, yeah, it's hard to, hard to tell. <laughs> Like you say, it's because all of your films are very thematic, although they have a kind of similar visual, like I could tell your film from another film, but they, uh, yeah, narratively, very, this one specifically, very, very different. Like, as you say, you're not a, a dad with a child. <laughs> so, uh, how were you able to reference that particular situation, like a kind of care situation, or was it just a, like a reference point to talk about that wider like narrative of like the harder you try the worse it gets yeah like it I mean maybe I should reference more but usually usually like my ideas would start with just a character and like a a concept that I find really interesting and it probably you know starts at something that it doesn't end up being but as I'm I probably I think I worked in it for longer than six months (laughs) um so other ideas kind of weave itself into it, uh, but it's never really about like, like even I was looking for additional funding because I didn't finish it in the six months and there was some that was directly related to like how, 
the community funding for raising awareness of like mental health and things but I was like this is not a, a true story or I have not referenced anything so like I can't, I'm not going to apply for that kind of funding because it's not that type of film it's more just taking the idea and then making it like fantasy I guess because like you say you've made quite a lot of films since your graduate film how are you able to manage that like time wise between like or do you just do that full time just make your own work yeah I think it like worked out well or like with my grad film I guess I finished and it was like oh I better I, I mean in Ireland everybody uses Toon Boom and it's a lot of like children's preschool TV shows which is great but I was kind of like I know I don't want to do it and somebody a producer had seen my grad film and he approached me and and basically that with this um like I think it was two month program where they were like you can direct a film and we'll get a team of people to help you that's how I made Wet and Soppy um and then that just led into like I did a few freelance gigs and like music videos in between and by that it's like every time I finish a film then I'm like okay now I'll get some money <laughs> and then I'm like yeah I really want to make a film again so then I use the money and I like make a film or look for funding and now I finish this film so I have a real job and um, now that I have a real job I'm like I kind of want to make a film again so <laughs> yeah find real jobs a good um, impetus to be like no I, I need to do something else <laughs> yeah. I mean it's an enjoyable job but um, I think the the freelance gigs and stuff are time for you to get an idea for your next film because when you're finished one you're like I never want to look at animation again and then like even you come to a festival and you're like I have to make another film you know <laughs> yeah Hello. So, so did you make the film together? Yeah. Okay. So people may know your other work because you're known as uh, Doctor Puppet. So you did lots of uh, Doctor Who pastiches. Would that be the right way to describe it? It's, yeah, fan film, <laughs> fan <laughs> um, series. Yes. So I guess like I mean Doctor Who is sort of well known within horror realms as being like a like kind of a buffer for that because it's obviously it traumatizes lots and lots of children which is great and that's a good way of getting them into into the horror genre and into animation so did you what sort of like made you move into making a horror short basically yeah um yeah dr puppet was this project that i i started and i roped other people into and it, it took six years to make um which was never my intention but i always wanted to make um shorts and animation and make films really so I didn't think um, it, you know sometimes you can't really like choose the project that like chooses you and Dr. Puppet just grew legs and ran like literally and I spent six years and when it ended I really wanted to um, make some other projects I mean projects that didn't use someone else's IP obviously so um, uh, actually uh, we made another film a couple years ago um, I was trying to make an abstract film but then um, it kind of I realized when it was done it was like a, a a children's film 
Um, it, it did really well in like children's programming. Like I kept entering it in like the abstract film categories and then they would program it in preschool. So I'm like, I just can't, I can't shake this like sweet puppet thing I do. So I said, it's time for a horror film. So, uh, <laughs> And uh, it was during the pandemic, and it kind of came really naturally. We were just chatting one day, and like this, this film, um, this like two and a half minute like micro horror short, manifested within a ten minute conversation, and we had the whole thing figured out. Um, so it just kind of happened, and it was actually not the first film we tried to make during the pandemic. I have two abandoned animatics for much longer, more complex films, and we have even more scripts that we abandoned too. And you know, you have to let the project just kind of choose you. And um, I live in New York, and I have very limited space, so the abandoned scripts were mostly abandoned because I realized, like, I'm biting off more than I can chew. I can't fit mm. this in my apartment, and this film fits <laughs> because it is a locked-off camera. And um, it's very small, and I could fit it and make it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was like um, we had so, so many different films that we were coming. We you know, wanted at first to make a lockdown film, so we had you know a very small, intimate film, and then realized as we were writing the script that we were just growing and growing and growing this lovely little nugget of an idea into a film that was just far too big and complicated. You know, too many sets, too many characters. You know, all that kind of stuff. And the film we were working on just before Posted No Hunting, we'd gotten quite far along uh, to the point where there was an animatic done and Elisa had actually started uh, building the set. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, for reference, Elisa is completely the animator here. Um, <laughs> we we co-write uh, scripts together and bounce ideas off each other. Elisa animates. Uh, I'm a musician, composer, sound designer, um, and our films work that way. Um, and so Elisa's constantly the one sitting there going, you don't have to make this, <laughs> you know. Yes. So, <laughs> so we, would talk, we were having a FaceTime call at like two in the morning about that film. And uh, we were having a conversation about, you know, how we were entertaining ourselves during lockdown. And Elisa had been spending a lot of time watching uh, wildlife cameras nest, when they're like eagles <laughs> nesting in New York. Eagle Cam, uh, California, but yeah, oh, it's like, it's like uh, this is the time of year, all the like raptors have all their eggs and babies, it's really fun to watch, <laughs> so that's what I do, and that, I said that'd be a really good um, setting for, for an animated film, because I mean, I, I also really love found footage horror as a, as a genre, it's really fun, and I, I couldn't imagine like anyone had done anything with the trail cam, probably because you can't get the animals to act unless you're an animator. So I was like, we should do a trail cam. And yeah. we were gonna do like maybe a comedy. We kind of threw some ideas, but then it was like, no, horror. Like we need to do like a trail cam in the woods and we'll do a horror film. And yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. And are you planning to make more horror shorts? Yeah, yeah we're working yeah. on another horror short right now, actually. So we've kind of, it's kind of stuck. Like, I, I feel like um, as much as I like my sweet little innocent puppets, I really like doing horror, and um, it's great to be in a, a screening with a horror film and get reaction from the crowd, and just, I like pushing it. So the next one is even a little, like, wilder, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one's actually pretty tame for a very, horror Very, very tame. It's very creepy, tame. but it's not scary. No. You know. Have you managed to see it or get it into other like horror festivals so not necessarily yeah. animation uh it's mostly done horror and genre festivals this is the one of the few animation festivals i've done it's gotten it's done really well at some of the biggest horror um festivals in the world which is great so and it's like 
the only animated found footage film, <laughs> one of a handful of animated films at these festivals. So it's always really fun to be in a horror screening with you know a dozen films in this one animated film. And I really um, I dig that because we you know animation is a medium, not a genre. And um, so it's been a blast. To, and I love animation festivals and horror. And it's been really great just kind of doing all that. <laughs> Because, Joanna, if you think animation festivals are anarchy, horror festivals are, like, next-level anarchy. <laughs> and in animation horror, it's, like, four of us. So <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So, sorry, I forgot which one yours was. Uh, craziest Things. Craziest Things. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, what inspired you to make a film about, like, that specific area of work? Um, well, so it was a music video um, mm. for this band, Babe Heaven, um, and well firstly I'd, I'd never made a music video before and I really wanted to go down that route, um, so I sort of reached out to a bunch of bands and um, this one, the timing just worked out, um, and they, they were actually really helpful in that they gave me a really simple narrative that they wanted, um, which was this idea of a character like trying to get to sleep and having these kind of nightmarish, like anxious dreams. Um, so that was really handy just to have that. And they wanted um, they wanted it to be quite psychedelic. Um, so that yeah, that's kind of they sort of pushed me in the right direction, I think. Um, and it was yeah, it was just nice having the creative freedom really to kind of make it as like surreal as possible compared to other work I've done like if it's commercial stuff then you know you're kind of trying to tone it down um, but it was nice just having the freedom to just make it as weird as possible yeah because you previously studied at uh, CSM yeah is that right? that's right yeah. um, so how did you find that because uh, the CMS CSM course is character animation which is quite yeah. unique um, that it's so very specific on one aspect of the animation mm. pipeline. How did you find that sort of prepared you for working freelance? Um, I've never really thought about it because I think um, I always uh, like to draw characters. That's my favourite part and my work is very character driven. So I actually didn't really think about the fact that the course character animation was quite um, specific. So um, it just like was lucky for me I suppose that when I started animating I realised like oh it is all character based um, so yeah there's just always yeah drawing characters is like my favourite part of the process and it's always where the ideas come from just sketching out characters and then putting them in scenarios that kind of thing. And did you come from a, a animation place before that or? Um, I didn't actually I took quite a strange route to animation <laughs> I did um I did a BA in languages um, but I always wanted to do animation. I just uh, I applied to some schools in Paris, um, but I didn't get in anywhere. So I <laughs> so I sort of did this yeah strange route. But I um, when it got to the end of my BA and my friends were kind of applying for jobs in like finance and law and stuff, and I was like something's a bit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked into some masters and. Um, uh, yeah, there were, there were a few really good, great ones in London, and um, yeah, the CSM one just sounded perfect. So, yeah, luckily I got got into that one. It was just sort of like back on the right path. <laughs> Sorry, I should just clarify. CSM is Central Saint Martins. I don't know why I went straight for the abbreviation. <laughs> um, so, your all of your films have this kind of, except for Toast, sort of, has this very uh, kind of textural feel that's a bit like writography. Can you explain that process oh, a little? That's interesting. I think. Um, to be honest, I think that's probably just part of me like trying out different styles and just developing my own style really. Sometimes I like to keep it quite 
flat. I sw yeah, like uh, my grad film is uh, it's called Big Toast, and it's very like flat um, kind of two D character stuff. And then um, I think it's just like when I actually then entered the world of animation and um, people sort of teaching me different tips and tricks of like brushes and textures and Photoshop, that kind of thing. It's just trying them out really. But I feel like I'm still yeah. It changes project to project, really, whether I want to have it textured or not. Yeah. And it came. So the film was made in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so height of pandemic, yeah. and music videos are generally animators' bread and butter. <laughs> so it's quite a good thing because you know historically music videos were made so that if bands can't be places, you can watch them still. So it kind of works duly with that. How have you found? How did the band react to it first? Like, how did they...? Um, I, th I think they really liked it. I, I never actually got to meet them, which is a shame, because, yeah, it was um pandemic. But, uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it went down well. But, as you say, it's, it was quite a weird time, because, um, well, this is the first festival I've been able to come along to, featuring it, which is, is nice. But the other, everything else, it was all just, like, online, and you don't really know how, how it's going down, because it was just, like, throughout that time, I couldn't go to any festivals, couldn't meet the band. But... Um, yeah, I think it went down well. It was quite a... Um, I, I did actually like doing it during lockdown because um, I think I was so... I was really stressed out about doing my first music videos. When I, when I got it, I was so excited. Um, but then uh, it, was, it was done in, like, six weeks and I just... I don't think I've ever worked so focused because there was nothing else going on. I could just work late and um, I kind of missed that. I don't think I've ever been able to work as hard as that time like the combination of the stress and um and nothing else going on it's weirdly quite nice sometimes <laughs> did you have any help with like coloring or um I, yeah like? a friend of mine helped me for the last few days with the kind of textured brush um but mostly it was yeah it was just me um in the studio all day every day <laughs> are you planning on doing another music video um i have done another one since then um that uh, came out quite recently um, and yeah, I'd love to do more. I really love um, doing music videos. It's a nice um, combination of like creative freedom, um, but a, a deadline. Um, I'm really bad at doing things without a kind of structure. I need like a, a deadline and the, the fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fear is good. <laughs> Great, thank you. Thank you. Hello. So uh, your film was other half. Yeah. So the puppets are like the most striking thing I think in your film because they're very, very unique and very different. Can you tell me about how you developed those? Yeah. So when we uh, when we started making the film, um, we quite early on decided that we wanted to do a multiplane, but kind of a, in a different way than we've usually seen a multiplane, which is very kind of flat things on glass. Um, and I really wanted to have kind of like a three-dimensional element to them, so we thought we're going to have um, more three-dimensional sets um, and flatter characters. So the, the first, first idea was that they were going to be oil on glass, because that's also my background. Before I started doing animation, I did oil painting. Um, and I had done a bit of oil on glass animation, but more kind of like abstract stuff. Um, and we knew there would be some stuff to figure out, obviously, but uh, we thought, no, it's fine. We have lots of time for testing. Um, and then uh, the pandemic happened, so we couldn't really test anything um, in our location. Um, but we, we had started to build the, the sets and everything, and I uh, started doing tests in my uh, garden. 
on a little rostrum. Um, and it was it was actually very sad uh, because I started I designed the characters and I got really excited. I painted them in oil and they looked really good. And I was like, oh, amazing! Um, I'm gonna do a little animation test. And I I just did a test of like the the main character just like waving, and it's literally just like this movement. But you can see like the sun going down. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, and then obviously I had a little breakdown um, <laughs> and I was like well we're already building stuff for a rostrum so I have to do something um, and I thought okay well what if to uh, and I, I really want animated faces that are kind of drawn and not just stop motion because animating faces is like my favorite part uh, so um, and I find for me stop motion faces are a little bit restricting um, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll cut out some plasticine in the shape of the character and I'll paint on top. Um, and I tried a few things and then it kind of got this like semi-flat, um, semi-sculpted um, look and it was oil paint on top. So we still got the cool painty texture, um, but it wasn't so excruciating. <laughs> um, and actually in one part of the film, I do use oil on glass for like reflections. Um, and during that phase, I was like, thank God. <laughs> I didn't do the whole film that way because it was, uh, yeah, very difficult. And I think also that um, there isn't so much of a separation between like the sets being really solid and the characters being so kind of floaty uh, as they are with oil. Uh, but yeah, Ooh. that's kind of. <laughs> so you made the film at the NFTS, mm -hmm. National Film and TV School. How did you find that experience? Because obviously it's, you know, everyone kind of knows the NFTS, but it's quite a like, interesting program very unique and there's a lot of departments and yeah I, I really I really really liked it um, I went to the NFTS because I wanted to um, work with a lot of people um, I think before that when I'd made films I, I'd made one film that I had like just a couple of collaborators on like just the background designer and like composer and sound designer and I re the part where I, I talked to people about the ideas like really I really I really like it like every time I talk to someone about the film, I get more excited about it. So um, the course sounded really interesting in the way that all the, department all the departments work together on the different films. Um, and obviously they give you a lot of space and a lot of equipment and a lot of support making the film. Um, so that's why I um, decided to go there. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Like all the people I, I met are people I'm working together with still. Um, so. And the film, like story-wise, narratively, it's about like love and this idea of like giving yourself completely to someone. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, the film uh, was inspired by um, like Greek mythology and kind of this myth about um, about love, which is in Plato's Symposium, um, and it's about how in initially we were kind of like double people with two heads and four arms and four legs but we were too powerful, so the gods split us in half, and that's why we have this like urge to, to look for someone to fall in love and to feel complete. Um, so we wanted to make like a kind of fantasy adventure uh, about that, like in a world where that's kind of like, that's your purpose in life, is to, to find someone and re-merge re uh, together. Um, and yeah, I really wanted to make it into this like epic little journey um, because I think especially like growing up that's what it feels like to uh, have romantic <laughs> endeavors 
uh, like it's your destiny, it's this huge thing. <laughs> so I wanted to make a film that was uh, showing it in that way. And what have you um, done since? Um, so we uh, got some development funding from the BFI um, and we're working on another, on another uh, short animation. So doing, doing that <laughs> at the moment. Um, yeah, thank you. And Flora, you did 04111. Free triple one, yep. which sounds like a phone <laughs> number for like insurance. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, so it's quite an abstract piece. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess maybe we should start with like what it's representing. So it's something to do with like weather and mood over here. Yeah, year. it's like a, my take on a 365 project. So I've got my little, uh, so that's just, so I did for each day over a course of 365 days. It's not a year, but it is the amount of days in a year but uh, okay. that's why the numbers is like zero four because it's like they started on the 4th of november and it goes from to the 13th of november the next year okay. which is what the numbers are um so I, basically because i live up north in preston and it rains a lot <laughs> and the weather was really annoying me and <laughs> So I decided to kind of do, it started off just as a thing for myself, like how many days it rained, because just to kind of prove that it always rains in Preston, um, which it kind of does. So I kind of represented each day with a different colour, um, reflecting what the weather was really. Um, and then it kind of turned into like, sort of how I was feeling as well because I think for me it all intertwines um, so then I ended up with like 365 little squares of colour and then I didn't I kind of sat with it for a while and then I wasn't really sure I knew I wanted to make it into an animation or a film because I've done similar projects before um, and then so I just sort of decided to do a, a 16mm thing with it so the film is also very textural. Mm. So how did you how did you create those textures in the film? Yeah, so that was I used um, sixteen mil. So I got some clear um, sixteen mil leader, and then I didn't actually at the time have access to a projector, um, which I have done in previous versions. So I ended up cutting it all up into I think it was ended up being twenty centimeters for each day, and then. Um, used, I spread them all out on my desk and then um, used alcohol ink um, to create the texture and the colour because um, they mix really nicely and they were uh, really vibrant as well. Um, so that's, and then I ended up, yeah, scanning each strip in, which took ages, and then um, like sequencing it on the editing programme. And how did you keep like track of all of that, or was it just like what visually looked? better or did you keep it like date order yeah i kept it in order so i did yeah i kind of like marked them off as i went it, a, it took quite a while actually because <laughs> i could only do a certain amount at once and then had to leave them to dry for a couple of days and then but also they ended up gathering dust um which then led to a quite lengthy cleanup operation <laughs> okay. afterwards um because i scanned them in at I think it was like 1,200 DPI because it was 16 mil, but I wanted it obviously to fill the uh, like 1080 by 1080 um, square. Um, so I ended up having to like go through each frame in Photoshop and like clean up all the dust. So 
again it took quite long <laughs> next time a box maybe. yeah <laughs> or a projector <laughs> is a uh, card of the first festival it's got into uh it also got into the austin um it's berman uh, austin art house film festival did you go uh, no, because it was um, it was all online actually. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately. How are you finding? It's like so. Did I presume you saw it play here? Yeah, yeah. How did you find seeing it on like not being able to see it whilst you were making it, and then being able to see it massive? Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, how it's come from like you know something really tiny to yeah something really big. So that was cool to see finally. Yeah. Cool. Are you working on anything at the moment? Yeah, well, my, I'm mainly a rotoscope animator, um, which is like I kind of do more experimental slash arty stuff on the side as well because to satisfy the other side of my, I don't know, me. Um, so I'm working on a short film called Bear, um, which is like a self-funded rotoscope thing about a man who has a bear head, like an animal bear head instead of a, a human head. And um, so, yeah, I'm working on that at the moment. But last year, um, just a little plug, if uh, I worked on um, Apollo 10 and a half, the feature film, which is now out on Netflix. So you should all go watch that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Cleo, you made the big top. Yes, we did. Uh, can you tell us a bit about how you or the circumstances that film got made within? Yeah, so it's actually, we were in second year at the time, 2020 of September a pandemic time it was actually for a project for uni where we had to make a preschool film a one minute preschool film and so we kind of threw together an idea in about two days i think it was about two days and then came up with some characters decided it was stop motion we really wanted to make it quite simple like one set two characters and then we had made it in about three and a half months about yeah it's an interesting process being in a pandemic at the same time having to do all pre-production online and then come into university to do the production stage yeah how many were there working there's four of us okay two people Lily and Ruby (laughs) and then Julia (laughs) as well who's not here today but yeah most of the group of us and it's actually it's played at quite a lot of festivals yeah yeah we didn't expect it to do so well (laughs) as a second year film but we're really happy with how it's how it's turned out and how far it's gone around the world and are you have you all gone more into stop motion uh yeah we're all in the stop motion world um i think that's the way we're kind of drawn to and it also works out as a team because we all do our areas in the film so i'm more pre-production we have lily who's animating who's fabrication so and we work really well as a team so it did surprisingly it was a very happy accident (laughs) so are you coming up to the end of your third year now end of third year now and so you're in the middle of productions or at the yeah, finish? Yeah, in the middle of production of a new film now, a stop motion film, uh, same, same four of us, uh, pre, preschool, uh, comedy, same kind of vibe, but we're getting there with it. It's, I can't wait to have it finished. <laughs> How much longer do you have? Oh, it's hard to think about <laughs> until graduation. <laughs> I won't ask. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Hoochie, you made Prince Edward. Yes. I have no notes for this because I didn't know she was going to be here. I, so. was a, I, was, I was a last minute thing. <laughs> so you're also a UE student. Yes. Was this a, a second year project as well? Yes. So this was a solo second year project also during the pandemic. And uh, it was made like in the module where basically the teachers tell us like, do whatever you want. And then we're like, Okay, and so I made um, a two-minute film about Hong Kong and Hong Kong protests, specifically about 
what happened in August 31st of 2019, where a bunch of policemen went to the Prince Edward Station in Hong Kong and started beating civilians up because they wanted to arrest protesters. And they denied all, they just denied all charges. They denied that they did anything wrong and a lot of people were injured. So um, I was studying in the UK when all that uh, went down and it was, I think at that time I was kind of trying to avoid it because it was such, uh, it was such like, there's so much pressure and like I just start uni, I didn't really want to go into the politics of, you know, my city and everything. But uh, at the end, like towards the second year, I realized that I probably should speak up, you know, with what I have. So uh, in three months time or so, I just made this film and uh, it's worked pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you know anyone that was sort of like more involved with it over in Hong Kong? Uh, well, I think I think everyone is involved in it in Hong Kong. It was, it was very complicated because like it went deep into the family, like family matters as well. Like families would actually like be broken because of the political issues because everyone had such different opinions, and basically the entire city is just in turmoil that entire time. Uh, most uni students would go out uh, to protest and sometimes that would like cause riots and like real destruction. There was like a time where a university in Hong Kong actually like had like a fortress of sorts, like a fortress situation where uh, university students stayed locked in in the university while uh, police like threw tear gas and like just try to try to like shoot the students and it was terrible. It was a terrible situation. Um, I mean, all my family members were also like really into it as well. But at the time, I was in the UK, so I think I saw that as an excuse to be like, "Oh, I want to further my studies. I don't want to look at this right now." But like, I I guess after a while, I couldn't really take it anymore because I think the like my connection with where I grew up, like, started to get to me, like, quite a lot, and it was just a very emotional journey, I think. And have you, have you managed to get any, like, reception to the film, or any idea of how people find the film? Um, I think, I think it did quite well, actually. I think, like, a lot of people, because my film is quite abstract, but I think a lot of people, uh, found it very shocking, or at least they didn't really understand it, but they still felt the emotion behind it. And I think, you know, that makes it a, quite a successful film. I think I've succeeded in that part, at least. Yeah. Also, my uh, tutor told me, good job. So <laughs> that's all that matters, really. <laughs> His approval. So are you working on your final film now? Yes. So I'm also in the same situation as Cleo. We are both third years. And um, just hustling away every day, uh, going to the studio, um, you know, just working on a tablet day in, day out. I think at least this time, because uh, before Prince Edward is a solo project, but this time I've got a crew, um, which, you know, helps with uh, everything. But at the same time, it's like crewing is another sort of... Managing people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, we got days left, maybe like 
hum. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't dare to say. We'll see you animating in the bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got my little laptop with. I'm just kidding. No. I've I've done it before, so you've I'm, done it before. I'm not surprised. <laughs> cool. So, does anyone have any questions for any of the filmmakers? Oh, sorry, did I not say this? <laughs> <laughs> University Yay. of West of England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we partied there. We're going to have a grad show soon. So. Come along. Come along. <laughs> I think we're all there. <laughs> yeah. This is just the end corner. Was like this, we were just already here. The UE, <laughs> the UE corner. Are you asking just everyone? everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we'll start this and then go down. Okay. We'll go and this will take over the rest of the time. I'm good. <laughs> Wait, the question is uh, how did you get into animation? Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, I don't really know. I think I, I, uh, I wanted to get into illustration because that's what I do. I, I've started art like ever since I was like very young you know I just started drawing a lot and I really wanted to get that into my career I think but yeah I don't know I suppose I just saw a lot of animated films when I was a kid and I felt like that was the right choice for me to like tell stories and in this format and I feel like animation is a very underrated art so that's probably it um, mine was very simple. I kind of always knew I wanted to do animation. Um, so I did GCC, and then I went to college to do art and design. And then when I was picking uni, I was like, I could try animation. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I want to try it first. And then I went to university, and I wished to quick gap here. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty simple. Mine wasn't as simple. I didn't really know. Like, as a child, I think I just wanted to be an artist whatever that means um and then i did like art at um college and that sort of thing and did a foundation course and then i ended up doing like a weird animated documentary about the typefaces um ariel and helvetica and how like it was sort of like bastardized of the type anyway kind of geeky thing and then i ended up going to uni to study film production and then i um kind of started teaching myself animation throughout because I thought oh I prefer this because you don't really have to be on set as much and then um, I ended up getting ill at uni and then I had to take some years out um, and then I also saw the films um, Waking Life and a short film called Snack and Drink um, which are both rotoscope films and then I was like oh okay so this is like the sort of thing I want to do because it kind of crosses the like makes a bridge between um, film production which I was studying and um, like more arty stuff which I'd been doing before coming to uni and then like ever since then I kind of just did rotoscope animation. So. Uh, I, um, I used to want to be a, a painter, I really like painting uh, and then I went to school um, and I studied fine art and film and theatre um, as a like joint honours um, and then I realized I didn't, I like painting, but I didn't like uh, being a painter, if that makes sense. <laughs> like I didn't like um, the, the, the kinds of stuff I'd have to make and the kinds of things I'd have to prioritize to be a painter. Um, and then during my time there, my tutor said, oh, why don't you try animation? Because a lot of your paintings are really like kind of story 
kind of telling. Um, and I said, okay, can someone teach me? And he was like, no. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> uh, I tried anyway, and I watched a lot of YouTube and um, tr tried learning some, some stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was actually quite counterproductive in art school to do animation because every time I said, oh, I'm gonna try to make this walk cycle better, they were like, no, it's perfect, it's more raw. <laughs> He can just slide across the screen and that will be better. Um, so then I was very happy to, to go and actually study animation uh, <laughs> where um, they seem to care about the same things I care about. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was kind of always drawing like characters and um, wanted to do that, but it wasn't until I was about 17 that I kind of worked out that can be a job. Um, so then I was like, bought that book, um, the animation survival kit, and I was like, right, this is my path. Um, and but then I applied to, I think it's Les Gobelins in um, France, uh, which uh, I didn't get into, like nowhere near. So that kind of like threw me off. I think I just um, didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I came back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I loved watching animation as a kid. I was always drawn to stop motion because I really liked clay and sculpting little characters. Um, I just always did that and it was just kind of a fun thing. And then, yeah, kind of when I was a teenager, I realized like, oh no, these are jobs, people get paid. And the thing that really like kind of pushed me into that, it was actually the Lord of the Rings because on the DVDs there are all those behind the scenes like things and I would see these artists working and it kind of opened my eyes to like behind the scenes jobs. Um, and then that kind of sparked like, oh, but I really like Nightmare Before Christmas and I want to do that. So um, yeah, I just wanted to make puppets and do that. So, um, and it, it is a job, so. <laughs> I'm, and I went to, to, to university um, in New York and uh, studied animation there, so the rest is boring. <laughs> um, I am not an animator. Uh, I originally wanted to be an actor, um, so started making my own films with friends um, and, and things like that. Um, did do some animation. I don't know if anyone remembers, there was a piece of software called Digital Blue that came with this little blue, quite phallic camera. <laughs> anyone re remember that? No, just me? Okay. Um, and I used to, you know, move my sister's toys around on a desk and stuff like that and realised I was utterly hopeless at it. Uh, and so stuck with live action uh, and was dragging pre-existing music into my friend's stupid films that got copyright hits on YouTube and went, oh, I'll have a go at that, and so became a composer instead. <laughs> yeah, I think I just always liked to draw, and I just knew I wanted to do animation, but the reasons I loved animation then are not like why I love, love it now. I think only when I went to do animation and they, they show you like Caroline Leaf and Koji Yamamura, and I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know this existed, but it ended up just being the perfect thing that I loved. And yeah, it was easy to go to, easier maybe to go to art college because my sister had gone before. So it wasn't like a question of, you know, people's parents are sometimes like, there's no money. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just follow her and go to art college as well. Um, yeah, I guess like classic, like always loved watching animated films and stuff. like. Half my personality is like quoting other animated films. Um, and yeah, and then I kind of went down the um, fine art route. I did like a foundation and then, um, yeah, and then it's quite, now I'm using it more for serious kind of topics, but I actually do love like the classic shark tale. 
you know, <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of, kind of it. Does anyone else have any? Oh, question? Is there any advice you give to people who are trying to make stand in history or want to make their own independent films? Is there any advice you could offer to people in that situation? To, to everyone again? Yeah. yeah. Right. Come down this way. <laughs> um, I'd say, like, don't um, try to avoid, like, looking at what's trendy in the animation industry, just because, um, especially, like, when we were pitching, I feel like because the stakes were quite low, like, because it's, a, it's like a student film, I, I was kind of trying to, um, I was, like, reluctant to do a film that was um, about, like, about the West Bank and stuff at the, at the start, but... Um, I think like actually you should always go with like what you're kind of drawn to rather than trying to follow what you think people will like I think that's what I would say. Um, yeah like just follow on from that. I think it's important to like think about what you want to make because I mean when you're starting out you don't really know what you're doing but like nobody does and everyone's giving you their opinions but at the end of the day you have to decide which opinion you agree with most. So I always find it like most helpful, especially like when you leave college and you've got nobody <laughs> to, to, to like, who has to look at your stuff, to have like a few like important people who's, who you know, they know what you're trying to do and get them to look at it and get their opinion. Because I think it'll be closer to what you want than like asking everyone on the street is gonna just give you a hundred different directions. Um, from my perspective, I mean, you're going to get a similar theme here. I think the answer is just do it. Um, you know, if, if, if you're thinking about giving any kind of art form a go, then do it. There's very little excuse not to. Um, and uh, you might find that you're terrible at it and leave, or you might find that it's the single greatest thing you've ever done in your life and make a career out of it. Um, you'll never know until you just do it. Yeah. I agree with that. I also think it's okay to start small. I definitely had <laughs> have had this issue. Uh, my student film is oh, was over six minutes long, and I uh, was very ambitious, and it was like a, this huge, you know, story with too many characters, and um, it was never even fully finished because I kind of ran out of time. I wish I had gone ba back and made a film like the one that we have in this festival, which is two and a half minutes long and has one background. And, you know, I would have put a lot more time and uh, that film, if, it, if I had made it in college, it would have been really polished and nice and two and a half minutes and, you know, slight regretful, but not really because I learned, but I wish I kind of, it took me a long time to realize like, no, it's okay to start small. So I kind of did it backwards and now I'm very happy making small films. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have much to add actually. Those are really <laughs> great responses. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I would say maybe to surround yourself with people who are um, trying to do the same thing because then you're in it together and you can talk to each other about um, your work and work together and collaborate. And I think that's a, it's nice to put yourself in an environment with a lot of people who um, care about the, the, the same things as you and it can be really motivating to actually do it because everyone around you is doing it so then you know you have to <laughs> um, I'm also like a strong advocate of what Scott said just do it um, and just make lots of the type of work that you want to make don't worry about like what 
other people are doing um and then i think if you get good enough at what you're doing then people will notice you i mean i'm still a student so like i'm also asking that question <laughs> um but all i'm doing is networking everyone <laughs> uh, annoying studios with emails and trying to meet people and that's all i'm doing in the same boat here. <laughs> what can I add to that? Like, yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, I mean, please. Um, anyone else? Yeah. So, I'll score animators. What is the most scariest? The scariest. Um, the scariest thing in this specific film is the parts we don't see because a lot of it, like the sound design, that's why it's, it's really important because a lot of the action takes place off screen, which again is like my clever animator trick for avoiding work. Um, <laughs> that like literally half the film you don't see because the characters leave the screen because it's a locked off trail cam. So we just hear what happens. That's the scariest part is not seeing it. And um, in the film that we're working on now is kind of the same thing, although it's a more ambitious film. It's not... <laughs> ambitious, less lazy, it, there's more <laughs> um, There's more stuff happening, there's more char characters and a, a set and the camera gets to move this time, but we still um, are relying on that trick of having, um, like there's literally like a cl closed door. So sometimes we see what's happening and sometimes we don't because the door shuts and then we just hear it. But I mean, it's not lazy because it's scarier, honestly. If you show everything, then it's not scary. Right. Agree? Uh, agree. <laughs> um, for me, I think the scariest thing was having to face Elisa to tell her I wasn't writing a score for this one. <laughs> what do you mean? That's what you do. No, it, it didn't happen. So I'm, I'm under pain of death. I have to write a score for the next one. The death flight What would you say is your favourite film I would say there's one called The Tower by um, Matt Grodd. That's his, I think that's how you say it. But it's, um, it's stop motion and it's, um, it's like to do with the theme of um, checkpoints. So it's about, a, um, it's about a Palestinian refugee living in Lebanon and it's like quite a underrated one. It's, I think it's very low budget, but it's incredible. And yeah, I actually reached out to the director and we had a really good discussion about it. It was really good. You guys should check it out, it's really good. Mm -hmm. That's a really hard question, like, <laughs> there's so many. Um, I mean, recently, um, the film A Bite of Bone that's actually playing in this festival, um, I was on like a panel for another festival, and when you're watching loads of films, there's usually only like one or two that you're like, that was amazing. Like, it's, I think it's very hard to be pleased, it's, it's awful. But like, <laughs> it's, it's rare that you say like, that is that was an amazing film, and I thought that that was a great short film. Um, as a huge lover of sci-fi and horror, anyway, um, I will never not love Akira. Um, it's just one of the most visually stunning, smack around the face kind of movies there is, um, and obviously massively influential. So, yeah, for me, it's it always has to be Nightmare Before Christmas because it kind of just opened my eyes to stop motion. But honestly, going to like indie festivals and seeing indie films it's just like the, everyone is so mind-blowing um so i love lots and lots of indie films but nightmare will always have my heart 
Um, it's really hard to pick one. I um, can't really think, but I know um, there's an animator called Sophie Coco Gate, and she's just uh, made a new film called Hotel Kalura. It's doing the festival circuit at the moment, but it's absolutely incredible. So, yeah. um, for me, probably uh, Fantastic Planet from the 70s. <laughs> um, yeah, it's my favorite film, uh, probably animated film, maybe all-time film. Um, and yeah, I just really. I really like how um, weird it is, and I like I like that there's a lot of kind of like distance from the audience. Like they don't over-explain everything that is going on, even though there's like narration throughout, um, and yet you're still really connected with the with the story. Um, I really like it. Uh, that's a horrible question because <laughs> there are so many, but um, I'd probably have to go with uh, Waking Life by Richard Linklater, um, just because that was like one of the first films which kind of showed me like there was a different side to animation rather than just like um, kids films really so that for me yeah hard question I think at the minute it would be The House that stop motion film on Netflix I think I just the sh like the short stories in it and they're the very weird I just remember watching it with my flatmate while eating pizza and like what the <laughs> what is going on here but um, no they're brilliant and so beautifully done and weird just favourite <laughs> Uh, I thought about this uh, while you all are answering and I surprisingly both of them like I have two picks in mind and surprisingly both of them are like Christmas films and I'm not that attached to Christmas so I'm a little confused but um one of them is the snowman I think and it's like really homey and I really really like it despite its short length and but the style is so beautiful and the other one is the Tokyo Godfather by Satoshi Kon and I feel like it's quite an underrated film, just like with style and the story, and it really makes me feel sad. So, yeah. Well, uh, if there aren't any more, they'll be around. <laughs> so you can ask them in the bar or after this. But thank you to everyone. So thank you to all of the filmmakers who joined Laura Beth for the second Squiggly Cardiff Animation Festival Filmmaker Brunch Q&A. I'm going to round them up and tell you where you can find them online. Jana Katan is at janakatan.com. That's Katan with a K and two Ts. Cleona Noonan is at cleonanoonan.com. Elisa Stern is at elisastern.com. Elisa with one S. And Scott Ampleford is at scottampleford.com. Lena Kulchefer is at linakulchefer.com. That's uh, L-I-N-A-K-A-L-C-H-E-V-A.com. Floramata is at floramata.com. Cleo Parker is at cleo-parker.com. And Hoshin Kwok is at hoshinkwok.com. It's spelled H-O-C-H-I-N-G-K-W-O-K.com. Basically just all their names.com. Isn't that nice and simple? They've, uh, they've all taken that lesson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't make it weird or unusual. Just make it easy for people to actually find you. Don't call your website something like weird and arbitrary with a, a misspelling like, I don't know, squiggly.com. <laughs> so thanks to all the filmmakers for joining us and uh, sharing their insight and for everyone who came to the sessions and for all of you for listening. 
mainly thanks to all of the people who were behind the scenes at the Cardiff Animation Festival. It's an incredible, incredible team. Lauren Orm, who has been at it for years and years and years, starting with Cardiff Animation Nights, and it's so nice to see Cardiff Animation Festival continue to have a life post-COVID and uh, thrive, I would dare say. Everyone has been talking about how much of a wonderful time they had, and the shared consensus is that it was just generally very, very good for everyone's morale. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I heartily agree and feel very good for it. I have to say it's been really good for my spirits. And thank you also to all the volunteers for all their help and assistance and keeping everyone in check. <laughs> yeah. Very good corralling. Uh, also the rest of the Cardiff animation festival team, uh, Ellis Donovan and Chris Wright. And for everyone at Chapter, a magnificent, magnificent venue. Very relaxed, very spacious. I felt very, um, COVID-safe. Uh, very COVID-safe, yeah. I mean, no one, yeah, no one I know has gotten ill. No one coughed directly into my eyes. That's always a plus. Which is always nice. To check out what is next for the Cardiff Animation team and the online program that is still going on for the next few days, visit CardiffAnimation.com. And while you're online, what the heck? Why not swing by squiggly.com? And we're on Twitter at squiggly. We're on Instagram at squiggly animation. And we're on facebook.com slash squiggly magazine. <laughs> Follow us on all of them if you don't already, because frankly, you're missing out. Like we're the delightful. Face you pull when you say at. Yes. Enunciation. I like your face. Because I'm a mumbling prick and I gotta enunciate. <laughs> No one will know where to find us on social media. Maybe. I think that's it for now. We'll be back with another podcast of some variety soon, I'm sure. We've got a bunch of them. Uh, until then, thanks for joining us once again, and happy animating. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.